It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast, the college basketball edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor, along with Chad Brendel from Bearcat Journal and Rick Broering from Musketeer Report. Uh, it's our weekly podcast, and we've got a lot of ground to cover. And I guess let's start first and foremost with the most recent game out of uh, any of the teams that we usually talk about play, and that's UC beating Mississippi State on Tuesday night at BB&T Arena. Um, there's an overriding thing that we want to talk about, and that's the offense here, but let's just touch on last night's game. Um, Jacob Evans, it looked like, kind of uh, was a little forceful offensively, and I guess that's a good sign. I think you saw that in the second half of the Xavier game, and you saw it some in flashes against Florida, and he had the chance to be the guy that wins the game against, or, you know, puts them in a position to win the game against Florida, clearly gets fouled on an eight-footer that they don't call, um, and kind of has that opportunity taken away from him, and then, again, comes out against Mississippi State, and uh, was played within the rhythm like he tends to do in the first half, mainly because Kyle Washington uh, was, was very good in that first half, and then in the second half, just really had a chance to banged in a couple shots, and then started getting aggressive, taking it to the rim, and kind of took over the game. Um, let's talk about the offense. <laughs> um, it feels like deja vu to some degree. It may not be fair, but it just it feels like the things we were told in the preseason and thought were going to happen and happened in some early season games, in which let's face it, they overmatched people. Um, just isn't there. And and is there things you can point to, or is it? Is it Mick just saying, listen, I, I still – there's a way I want to win, a way I think this team can win, and I'm going to try to win that way in big games? Because that's, that's – it has a feel of that. Well, I think it's a little of both in that I think against Xavier, I don't think they played particularly slow, and Xavier scored 89 points. Like, that's – Florida, you have to slow down Chris Chioza. Like, if you want any chance to beat them, he cannot be flying up and down the floor. I, I think – they had seven opportunities where he had the ball in transition. They scored on six of them. So you have to game plan for that. You can't let that be a game with 77 possessions because Florida's going to beat you by 15. Well, I, I don't disagree with that, Chad. The only thing I would say is is offensively in the half court right now, I just, well, I, I'm just i just not sure you're efficient enough. I don't think they enough. have an identity right now. Okay, I, mean, yeah, I think they're searching right. for that. I He's going back and forth between Justin Jennifer and Kane Broom. Uh, I think we've been pretty clear. We all feel that... If they're going to win big, Kane is the X is the X factor. He's the he's the he's the well he could and, be the difference. And maker. we're seeing what we've talked about, and I think this is one of the areas that they're they're struggling, or at least searching for an identity. More so now, as time goes on, when Kane is in the game, Jacob Evans is the point guard, and and Kane is playing off the ball. And I don't think that they coming into the season. I don't think they planned for that. I think that's an adjustment that's happening on the fly, and it's not happening probably as fast as you would like it to. But Jacob Evans hasn't played point guard since he was a junior in high school. So I think that takes a little time, one. And two, playing fast was supposed to be Kane getting the ball and, and going, going. right? And that's not really happening. I will say, and, and I've said this before, but I don't think it is a transition issue. It's not that you see isn't getting out and running and they're, when, when and, they they're can. and they're afraid to let Florida run at them cuz they're doing that. They'll press teams like Florida, they'll didn't. get out but but they will. I mean, they they did it against Xavier and it didn't work out. And so I understand why it didn't against Florida, but I'm just saying he's willing to get out and transition against those teams. They ran against Florida when they had opportunities. The issue comes back to 
the pace in the half court, what they're running in the half court, the amount of looks they're creating in the half court, and the fact that you cannot beat good teams if you have to keep them from scoring 60 points or less. Like, you just can't beat you good teams. You held 40 that to 66. And, 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 but they're off. They shot horribly. I they, know that. They shot poorly from two feet. They missed a bunch of wide open threes. Cumberland has a wide open three to give them the lead with a minute and a half left and it hit off the side of the backboard on rotation and kick out. Where I thought they went wrong against Florida is Florida had been getting beat in the post. So they decided they were gonna go to the they were gonna run the offense through Gary. Well, Mike White, being a very good coach, changed what they did and started post to post doubles. And I thought UC was really slow to get out of it. Gary was, you know, dribble, three dribbles, four dribbles. The pick double it, would come. Pick it up. Pick it up. And then and you're then reverse it. And they, uh, the ball movement wasn't very crisp in that. The movement wasn't very crisp. I thought they got stagnant waiting for Gary to initiate the offense. And, and that was strategically, I guess, going in. But they didn't change it. And, and Florida kept doing the same thing over and over and over. Every time Gary got a touch – they came over with the post double, and they continued trying to run the offense through him. I just thought it was it was banging a square peg into a round hole in that specific game. Yeah, and I think and I think that's the issue like fans have. It's like okay, well, we've seen this that didn't really work against Xavier because of the way they defended it, and you keep going to it and it doesn't work. And then you go back to it in Florida, and a good coach makes an adjustment and it doesn't work, and there's no adjustment on the offensive end. And 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 you're right to your original point. You see flat out missed too many shots in that Florida game. And you can say it's neutral court or whatever, and that that's fair. All of that's fair. They were good shots. But they got themselves some good looks, even when they were throwing the ball into Gary and he was kicking it to the opposite wing. Jaron, Jacob, those guys were getting some open threes yep. that they've just got to make. And so then it becomes, I guess, some somewhat of a question of, I think these guys can shoot at least at some point. Like they'll, I imagine they'll shoot Darren's better. Darren's a funk, clearly. Yeah, and, and I was going to ask you about him. At what point do you start getting worried about how long this thing is going to last or what the actual issue is there? Because, like, a five, six games, it's like, whatever. I mean, this is that's nothing. You get through a quarter of your season or more, and then you start to say, well, like, is he struggling with something? Is there a reason he's struggling? Or is he just missing shots and in, in a deep shooting funk? Well, I mean, he started the first four or five games out as a leading scorer on the team. So it, it doesn't extend back to the start of the season. Well, but, well, but those are extends. really, really open. But, but he wasn't playing poorly then. He's played poorly against bad teams. He played poorly in the Cayman Islands, and, and those teams weren't very good. Uh, right. I would say you're in like a five or six game period right now. And just so happens three of them are against... Yeah, three of, three of your biggest games right. of the year. He hasn't played well. And, I, I mean, I don't know if it's – I'm not smart enough to know if it's a matter of his mechanics. They changed his mechanics. And is he just not overly comfortable with it in games? Because if you remember, he was all the way off to the side with his release, and now he's almost to the front of his face with his release. I think it's affected his attitude. I don't. I don't think he's been overly that, engaged. Yeah, I, I think be, he needs to score to be engaged. That, I really do. That would be more my concern. Is he doesn't? Does he look like himself to you in the way he's playing? It's at times, yes. I mean, I don't think it's poor effort. One, it's hard to tell with him because his facial expression never changes. And, and he's, he's never not, been like a balls to the wall type of guy that you're no. like, whoa, man, he looks like he's going max effort. Right. He's always played in kind of third gear, like. Even when he's playing very hard, he kind of looks like he's in third gear. So I think it's hard to tell with him. I think it's easy to assume with him because when he's playing well, his face looks like that. You don't say anything, like you don't think anything about it. Right. But when he's not playing well and you look at his facial expression, 
It's the same facial expression he had when he was playing well. You just didn't think anything of it then. Mm-hmm. Now you look at it and you go, oh, well, he's, you know. And obviously he's frustrated right now. Yeah, He has the Lonzo ball face. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, clearly, though, when you shoot like he's shot for the past four or five games, you get frustrated. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, he's got to work himself out of it. Uh, I, I don't think it's anything that's a major issue at this point in time because I still – I think what's what's hurt him more than anything is is he's been hit with the charge call a ton more this year than he was last year. And even when he's getting to the side of guys' bodies and and stuff that they were calling blocks last year, and I think that's taken away some of his aggressiveness driving to the hoop because he just feels like every time he goes in there, somebody's going to slide over, take a bad charge, he's going to get dinged with it. And he's kind of taken that out of his game a little bit. And he needs that in his game because that's what makes him – that's what gives him the ability to score 15 points a game. It's not his three-point shot. Right. No, it's right. it's going downhill. Yeah. And we were talking about it on the on the last podcast where I, I wondered the, the thing about the point guard situation and how he and Jacob might be guys that need someone to get them going at times. And, and maybe it's not just that, but – Jaron's definitely a guy that is better if he can get downhill against you. If he can get one step past you or get ahead right. of steam and catch you on flat-footed. Right well, and I think some of it goes back to what you were talking about with Gary Clark and the offense being ran through him. Okay, so you pounded into Gary. And, and you, first of all, you've walked it into the half court and ran 10 seconds off the clock before you even initiated it and gotten into Gary. Yeah, so now you then, don't have a lot of, a lot of other times to swing it back through Gary and get a shot. Then Gary pounds it three times. Double team comes, he picks it up. 16 on the shot clock. Swings it. Yeah, I mean, literally. 10 on the shot clock. And then, and then you run one action and get it back to one of Seven those on the shot clock. And they've got six seconds to work with, and they're not guys that are just going to shake you off the dribble and create offense. They're like, Jaron, you want him to get ahead of steam or catch it on the move or something where he can get by you. I don't see him getting a lot of opportunities to do that, and I think they're going to have to figure out ways to get him going. I don't know that he's just going to do it by himself. I think there was more opportunities in that last night because I thought they played more – a little bit more open. Uh, the per, they went through the perimeter at least a little bit more. They I think so too. Yeah. They they didn't pound like they did to Kyle because Kyle was getting so deep. They weren't really trying to play through the post as much last night. It's just Mississippi's dates bigs were offering no resistance. They allowed Kyle to catch the ball six feet from the rim on the right block. Yeah. Like six times in a row. I I'm surprised Ben Howland didn't lose his damn right. mind. And Mississippi State's a little bit different, too, in that while their bigs are soft in that fashion, where they're not soft is all they do is hunt blocks from the weak side. Yeah. And, and Jaron had – box out. No, they never they – never, <laughs> They just go after every block yeah, shot. Yeah, they just come charging after every block shot. So if you're attacking the rim at that point, they're begging you to attack the rim and flip up a layup. And you know what's hilarious? I don't think they caught Kane once going to the rim with no. all that shot blocking that they were trying to do. He beat them every yeah, single only, time he went said, to the rim. They only blocked four shots, so it's not like they, they did a lot in that regard. It, it's not that they, they just go for right, everything. Right. Which I'm not a big fan of, but okay. Neither here nor there. Because that, it just well, kills you rebounding-wise. It just kills yeah, you. And, oh, Gary Clark ate him alive he, on the offensive glass. Oh, and it was hilarious. Like You yeah. can just see him at, at points stick like a little forearm shimmy as he's going for the box out, and one of their bigs would just go across just fly, the lane. Just fly. <laughs> and he'd come down. Trying to sell it or just because he got bumped that badly? No, like they would play straight up. And like Chad said, they'd be bouncy and playing straight up. Gary'd get down in a rebounding position, hit him with one little forearm, and next thing you know, Gary, a ball's coming off the rim to Gary wide open on the block right. for an easy layup, and you're going, how? 
what? Where was their Where was their post players? You rewind it real quick. You go. Oh, oh that's where he went. He went from here to there. Well, I guess I, why can't Kane get downhill in the half court and create? I th- I think Kane can do that. I he think has. that's the one. He, I think he's the one guy who consistently creates looks for himself. Sometimes others. The problem is I don't know. Like, the comfort level. Uh, well, I, I don't know that he's comfortable with what he's allowed to do. I don't know that Mick's comfortable with what he's good at doing. And I don't know that anyone's comfortable with what his role is right now, quite honestly. I think it's fair. Like I, I think they're try- they're searching to figure it out. I, and well, the suck it's part not is, ideal to, have, to be doing that in the middle of your four game stretch. Correct, that means right. more than that, anything. It, exactly. In the that, season. That, that's exactly it. And, and that's where you. It's hard to bag on them for the schedule that they've got with these four games. And it's not like well, you beggars, just, it's can, not, beggars can't be choosers here either. You take these four games when you get them. But that's what I'm. That's what yeah. I was getting to. It's not like you can call the never forget classic and be like. December night's kind of right between oh, Xavier and UCLA. Can we move that to November 20? They might have been open to changing. I'm just kidding, obviously. But, no, I mean, you're 100% right on when the games are falling. Because Xavier was dictated by Fox Sports. Right. right. Yes. I mean, all the all the, your point is totally valid. Like, you can't choose when you get to play these games. I'm sure you would like to have had one of them in early November, one of them at the beginning of December, sure. and and – Stretch but, out but, the other but, one, but you do. If you look at a lot of these teams, that a lot of their a lot of their schedules are, are grouped this way. I mean, they really well, are. So, yeah, because some, some you the, don't have a choice. Some of the blue bloods maybe get an early Chicago game, something along those lines. But for the most part, yeah, this this is where if you look at all these schedules across the country, they're in a lot of these blocks. They yeah. really are. Mo- yeah, more so than worrying about the scheduling. I think my thing would be this: UC fans, this UC team, were sold a bill of a bill of goods that I said from middle of the summer was never going to work out for them. Justin Jennifer was never a starting point guard. He never should have been tried as the starting point guard. And, like, last night, the fact that he plays 17 of the first 20 minutes of the game and Kane only gets three of those, and then Kane plays almost the whole second half, it's just... Again, Mick Cronin knows more than I do about basketball, so I do feel kind of well, ridiculous saying, you shouldn't be playing this guy or you should be playing that guy. But at the same time... I feel like everyone agrees upon the fact that Kane Broom is their best option well, I, I, I against good teams. I yeah, I've never been. I've never been. Starting doesn't mean much to me. I mean, it's a matter of who gets minutes me when either, it matters. But playing but, three minutes in the entire first half is right, supposedly no, 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 your no, best I, option. I, 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 I agree and you're with that trying part. to find some rhythm. Yeah, I agree with that part. I, the, part of the other issue is, I mean, Kane is really right now offensively the only guy off the bench that gives you much, right? At Consistently. This point, yeah. So yeah, if you was, so if you don't bring him off the bench, who gives you anything off the bench? Skinny. Keep him on the floor the whole time then. Play him with the backups too. I don't care about that. Quit worrying. You're worrying about making your bench better for three minutes in the first half. Well, the three minutes is a little ludicrous. Okay, I'll give well, you that's that. Point. I don't care if you start right. Justin Jennifer for and he the first four-minute war, and yeah. then you get him out of the game and that let part I'll play you. the rest yeah, of the game. Yeah, that part I'll give you. But I don't understand the idea that Kane would only play three minutes a half for UC at this point, especially when we just talked about the fact that clearly – they're trying to figure all of this out, and he's their best option to do so and gives them the most upside. It's very weird watching that situation play itself out from an outside perspective. I, I agree. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't have anything to disagree with that at all. I, I, this is still going to, at the end of the day, when we look at the record, it's going to be a good record. The unfortunate part is it still feels like, again, last year, where we're going to be talking in late January, early February of, 
oh damn, they went one and three in that stretch. And again, I'm I, I shouldn't assume. I, I think they have a puncher's chance to go to UCLA, UCLA and win. Is not They're not. So I mean, I give them a puncher, and it may not even be a good win at the end. Of the day. It's as good a win as we thought it was going to be right. at the end of the day. I'm not sure. Last night's win is a great win. It's a it's a no, good it's, win. It's, it's a, a good win. Yeah, win. It's a good enough win. You don't apologize for beating SEC no, teams agreed. and handling them the way. No, you and, and I'm not, but but it's not exactly gonna improve your seed line by right. a, by a quantum leap. Correct. That's my fear again is unfortunately you're going to be defined by this four game stretch of games, really the three of them in it, right or wrong, that's that's gonna that's what's gonna define the seed line. And that and it but, sucks because I think this is a better this year, it's a better this team. Year because it is because the metrics the tiers, for the American right, the are much different. Yeah, and the tiers have changed of of, of quality but, of victories. And now a top seventy five road win is equivalent to a top twenty five home, home win. win. Correct. And there's quite a few American teams in the top 75. I haven't looked at it in the last couple of days, but there's five or six. They're going to have four, five, six chances to get top 75 road wins. Are they going to win at Wichita State? Probably not. But they're very much good enough to win at SMU. To oh, win no at doubt. I, no, I'm not, doubt- at- I'm not doubting that I'm part. just saying that it's, last year was an anomaly because literally it was two teams. Two teams, Houston just outside the top 50, and then Everybody else outside the yeah. top 100, and some outside the top 200. Right, so it's the makeup. Couple, I think in the 300s, the makeup is different this year. So I don't think it's as dire. Like you get, caught, I think you get caught up in this is how it happened last year, yeah. so that's how it's going to happen this year. I think you have to actually look at it but, and see. But the flip side to this is it's going to be tougher to win exactly, those games, exactly. and that's understandable. But if this team is as good, is going to be as good as the talent says it should be. Then they're going to win a good number of those games, and the resume is not going to be. Again, they they played three top fifty games from the day they revealed the bracket in the beginning of February right. to the tournament, right? And and that shouldn't be the case this year. So I, I don't think it's as dire. Yes, not getting that Florida win hurts. Because yeah, because it's a fifty fifty game with what four minutes to go, or whatever. The it's hell it was. a one. It's a it's a two-point game with a minute. Right. And Jacob Evans gets fouled on an eight-footer. He goes to the line and makes two. You're tied with a minute left. But that, I, uh, to touch on Florida quickly, it also goes back to what I've been talking about all along. Florida had a killer. Yep. And Chris Chioza right. scored the final six points of the game. Well, well, And UC didn't score in that stretch. Chris Chioza closed them out. Can that be Jacob Evans? It has to be. Okay. Well, and to to go farther on that point, I know you talked about it when we were with Mo Egger in studio before all this came down, and you were you, they, he was asking about what like the experience factor and all that stuff matters, and and we talked about taking away Troy Copain from this UC team, regardless of what experience all the other guys had, you took away the the comfort factor and the guy you knew you were going to right. at the end of game absolutely and so now you do have to figure that out and we saw it in the Florida game they had multiple possessions where they needed a go to guy and all of a sudden guess what throwing the ball into Gary Clark wasn't an option they right. weren't trying to do that anymore because that's not how you're going to play in crunch time right. so it's like who is the go to guy now who gets the ball who makes a play I would love to have seen either Jacob not get fouled on that eight footer, he did try. He did try on that one, and he got a good look from eight feet, and he got he, hit on right on the elbow. I agree with you. Or to that. see him if he went to the free throw line, would he have had the stones to, to make bang up, both of yeah, those right. free throws? Like I, I feel like more than anything out of that Florida game, they were robbed of that opportunity because, and, and I'm not blaming the officials guy, like, but that's egregious. That he takes an eight footer and he misses by two feet, yeah. a guy that's going to be drafted. 
He got hit on the elbow. No, he did. I, I called totally a foul. Agree. I saw that. Yeah. And, 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 and I just it's mean not, it it's from... Not, it's not my zone to make the call. I didn't see it. I just mean it from, my a, to make the call. from a development standpoint of this team. Not necessarily... Did they win that game or not? Right. right. But that was a chance for Jake to step into that role, and it was taken away from him right. by a, a whistle that didn't happen. So that, that was what I walked out of there more frustrated with than anything, is I wanted to see... Did he have the, the the stones to bang that shot or to go to the free throw line and bang those two free throws, tie the game up, and play it out in the and, final 45 seconds? And then the confidence boost he gets exactly. from that. Exactly. Yeah. Because that's what you want to see. Does he make those two free throws and on the next possession go Take over again. down and, yeah. and go, go at the And then all of a sudden realize, huh, I am the man in crunch time. And then Florida misses the dunk. Yeah. There was two travels. They traveled on the pass. They traveled on the dunk. They miss it. And because UC's crashing the rim, yeah, you get the big kicker. Florida gets the kick out yeah. twenty-five feet away. They go up four, and that was pretty much it. Like yep. that was the frustrating part about that is it was an opportunity to find out how they were going to close out a game, and it didn't play out the way it should have right. or could have. But but we have talked about UC. I don't think a lot of people expected them to beat Xavier at Xavier. They weren't favored no. to. I don't think anyone before Florida lost a couple games, and then really once Florida loses a couple games, then you really says, think they're going to lose three in a row. Yeah, right. Like, four in a row. Or, yeah, yeah four, four in a row. row. Four. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, I don't know that anyone expects them necessarily win that Florida game either, and they played them very close. They had opportunities to win it. They do beat Mississippi State, and they handle them. I think resume-wise, it's like, yes, you really wanted one of those Florida Xavier games. Nothing that's happened has hurt UC so far. They did. They did show improvement against Mississippi State. I think. What's, what's I thought they showed improvement against Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No question from the Xavier game. Yeah, absolutely. They, but they looked more like the UC team we had seen. The Xavier game, they were out of sorts. They yeah. weren't the same team we've seen. Um, what's the biggest positive? Like, what's the takeaway after the Mississippi State game? Is there something that you look at and say this looks good at least? I would say defensively, they look like a top five defense in the country. But they have what, 12 blocks, 11 blocks? 11 block shots. I mean, Mississippi State was was 27%, 26% from the floor. And that team's, it's not a great team, but there's six or seven top 100 guys on that roster. Like, they're young and they're not there yet, but that's a team that's got some talent. I mean, you look at um, their point guard. Quindary Weatherspoon? No. I like the name. Yeah. Hang on. I'll, I'll, I'll help you. Lamar here. Peters, right? Yeah, Lamar, Lamar Peters. Lamar was 0 for 11. That's a guy that scored 25 points on De'Aaron Fox last year. And had six turnovers. It, uh, 0 for 11 was six turnovers. I mean, they dogged him. So uh, defensively, and, and the rebounding is, is still very strong for them. Um, they're, they look like a McCronin team, I guess. I don't know. Is that, is that what you wanted? You win? No, I, I, I was feeling like, hey, we've been pretty negative on a team that's pretty much where we thought they should be record-wise. They just beat an SEC yeah, team by just, double I, digits. I don't want to say nothing but negative. Well, no, everybody, like like the world was ending last night with a 15-point win over a top 75 team. Yeah, and that Yeah, and I think ridiculous. it's just, and again, I, I, I do want, I think it just has the feeling of deja vu offensively. I think that's the fear people have. That's what it is. I legitimately do feel bad. Whether that's true UC or not, right it just now. it has that feel to it. Because I get why you'd be frustrated, and there's not necessarily and the feel a again of, to be. And, and you you made a good point about what they can do in the league this year as opposed to the but but you still you hold your breath going 
man, are they going to get in a four, five, six seed line again because of all of this? And and let's face it, you could be a six seed that's a really good team that got underseeded for whatever reason, and it doesn't matter. You're playing a three in the second round, and that's a tough matchup, you gotta, man. You've got to beat somebody in the tournament. Come on. Agreed. Yeah, you, you do. You do. I do feel bad for UC fans because whether it's justified or not where with this current team is at, I get why you would feel frustrated and feel like we've been told for years – this is going to be mixed team best team ever. We've been to, they've been told for years that this team is going to be better at offense. And if it's not this team, if this team can't be better at offense, and if this team is the same as mixed previous teams, and they have the same issues, and they flame out early, then when is it going to happen? You know, for a Mick Cronin coach team. So I get why that frustration could be setting in right now, even though it's probably not justified with this year's team yet. Aren't they still 40th in Kempom in offensive efficiency? Yeah, I think they're like 48th or around 50. Yeah, but I mean, they're sliding because the, the last yeah. three games have not. Been... I mean, that's with them scoring 100 against a yeah. bunch of terrible teams and averaging 1.3 points per possession for a couple games. <laughs> so that's they were them to be already be in the 50s or around 50s. Is a quick slide. Isn't good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's quickly touch on UCLA. You're right. This is obviously this is not anything resembling last year they've not played a very difficult schedule they've not played a very difficult schedule at home they've lost at Michigan lost at Creighton um lost to, actually I don't think the Creighton game was on the road but lost to Creighton I believe on a neutral lost or beat Wisconsin by two on a last second layup this is a winnable game yeah and you've got the quote-unquote you know low revenge factor from the tournament last year um I thought last year they matched up with UCLA really well the difference was UCLA had Lonzo and they don't have Lonzo this year, so I, you know, you see, is yes, they're still figuring some things out, but I think you need to go out there and and take care of UCLA. I, I, it's a vulnerable UCLA team. It's not a great UCLA team. We talked about from the beginning. If you came out of this stretch one and three, you didn't do what you needed to do, and and what you needed to do at worst was go two, two and, and two, two, and you still have that chance. You have that chance to go two and two. You've got to learn from those two losses to Xavier and, and Florida, and you've got to go out there and take care of business and beat UCLA and Pauly. Do you think they go back to opening up in the matchup zone in the half court like they did against Mississippi State last night, or do you think they play it different against UCLA and open it up and run with them a little bit? Because I could see it playing out either, either way. Either way, I, and I'm, I'm not sure about that just yet because UCLA can still – Get out and go a little bit, but oh, I mean that's what they want to do. They're yeah. playing as fast as any. But team they're in not the as efficient in it. They're not. I mean, they don't have Lonzo Ball, but right. they're still playing about the same pace. Yeah, um, I think you maybe. I, I mean, that's what worked in the tournament was grinding them out and making them uncomfortable in the half court, and that's until Lonzo had those four possessions where he got in transition and they hit three threes and a two in a ninety second span. They contained UCLA. They, and you're right, they don't have that this year. They, Yeah, so I think I, you're probably going to see the matchup, I would guess. Uh, you might even, because they don't have a great point guard at this point, and they've got a young couple young guys that are promising, but I wouldn't be surprised if you saw a three-quarter court, the 2-2-1, two, two, slow them down, drop back into the back matchup. Back into the zone, yeah. So I'm saying, I could see it going either way, because it seems like theoretically the 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 typical style for uc in this game and against this ucla team take them out of what they want to do play it in half court make them grind it out at the same time some young guards that will turn it over uc's good at turning defense into offense that's when their offense is at their best again like against florida they ran 
yeah, when I like they had when they had the opportunities, they ran and they were successful doing it. So you see that, and then also with UCLA, they're not on the road or at a neutral site; they are at their home gym. So do you want to give them some open threes early in the matchup? So it it'll be an interesting thing to see how Mick plays that strategy wise because we've seen him now switch it up from game to game the last few times. Yeah. Let's move on to Xavier uh, coming off a win over over Colorado. They're in that four-game stretch we talked about last week. It's not a difficult four-game stretch. Um, you, t- you mentioned some things you wanted to see. What did you see from the Colorado game that, that you liked other than the fact that they were better and they were able to get out and run and get able, able to get a lot of different guys involved? And I'm not so sure Colorado's very good. They followed that up with a loss at home to San Diego. Not San Diego State, but San Diego. So that's not exactly great. But what, what were your takeaways from the, the Colorado game? I mean, really, at this point, it's just kind of maintenance stuff right. like we talked about. You know, the the guys look good. You know, JP had a couple down games where he – I don't know if they were really down games, just games where he wasn't aggressive in, in taking his shots. So he goes off and goes absolutely nuts in the first half of that Colorado game and then really doesn't shoot the entire second half again. So it's pretty much – he's pretty much shown that – this year is just going to be he's given the team what they need from him on any given night. If it's offense that night, he'll take the shot. 17 but, points on eight shots. Yeah, but if they don't need him to shoot, he's willing to not shoot, which I think if you, we would have said this to you last year, we I would have I, said no chance he's ever it, that type of player. Agreed. I, I, I will be the first to tell you that. No, I, I think that's maybe it's a sign of maturity. Maybe it's a sign of understanding what's around him and trusting other guys around him, too. Yeah, I think it is. I think just their whole offense is in such a groove and a rhythm, and I think he's kind of figured that out and understands what that means for him and what that means for their team if he plays this way. And I think he, he's enjoyed creating off the dribble more and not just you know being, being kind of the gunner that he had gotten the reputation as earlier in his career. Aside from that, I think it's just the young guys like we talked about. I mean, you are see, seeing um, Paul and, and Najee get a lot of minutes in these last few games, and – and Paul's still working through some things. He has good moments. He has bad moments. Najee has a lot of good moments with an occasional over-aggressive mistake on offense mixed in. So I think those, those two guys have been good. And then we talked about Canner, too. He's kept it up offensively. He continues to give them a lift. I think that's a legit thing. And, and I don't think many people had doubts about that after seeing what he could do in the preseason. But he got off that slow start. He has a couple big games in a row. You're wondering, is it going to fade or is this who he is? I think it's... I think it's who he is, especially in this offense where he's never going to be a focal point for the opposing defense. All right, this will probably jump us he into some – He's scoring 17, 15 points a game. They're going to find a way to, to key on him a little bit. But, I mean, the problem but, but, but how, is how, how do you? Yeah, yeah. How like, do you? What are yeah. you going to do? The slowest guy on the court, you're going to go put a good defender on him instead of Trayvon? At the, you know what I mean? Like, it's you just can't really afford to do – it's the same thing with Kaiser Gates. Yeah. You can watch Kaiser Gates torch you all you want. You can't afford to put one of your best defenders on him. Yeah, no, and that's a. That, I mean, you got five offensive weapons. That's a. That's a pretty good. Pretty good position to be. Yeah, one more thing I want to touch on. Obviously, is Xavier did get a commitment. Um, it was funny. I was talking to a, to a to a kid that works with the Bengals, and he was asking me about the recruiting. He goes, ah, big Xavier fan. He's a Xavier grad. I said, you watch, and I didn't even know about this kid at all. I said, they'll get a fifth year transfer here at some point. I guarantee you, it's coming. They're, they're good at doing that, and voila, they he's get got themselves two, one. right. Yeah, they yeah. do. But he, yeah. but but they but they do have a transfer. Yeah, he's a grad transfer yeah, with two to play, which is incredible. I mean, that just doesn't happen. Dartmouth. Dartmouth. But good numbers at Dartmouth. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, I mean, the, look, here's the what, thing. What, 17 and 9? Yeah, I think it was 17.5, and he had a, I think he averaged nine and a half rebounds. Yeah. It was, he was first in the, the conference in rebounding, second in scoring, um, which he got named all Ivy League second team, which seems with those numbers you would be a first teamer, but they must have had a second re- in scoring, first in rebounding. I would, I would vote that guy first team. He, they, the, the other power forward in the conference must have been first in scoring and second in rebounding and first in blocks or something. I don't know. But either way, um, the, to put it in perspective for Xavier fans, 
guys like Malcolm Bernard and Rashid Gaston, I know Malcolm Bernard's not a big man, but I'm just saying in terms of recent transfers yes, they've no, had no, and yeah. impacts they've made, those guys came from the MEAC, which is way worse off as a conference basketball-wise than the Ivy League is. Especially the past three or four years. No, I mean, you, 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 we've, we've seen Harvard, Harvard get a win in the tournament, Cornell get two wins in the tournament the year. I think they ended up facing Kentucky in the round of 16, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, or maybe round of 32, but we, we've seen... Princeton's had good Princeton's teams. had good teams. Yeah, I mean, you've... you've it, it really used to be a two-team league. It was Princeton and Penn, yeah. and now the, the talent level is kind of dispersed out a little bit and, in the league. And to be clear, Dartmouth absolutely sucks. They've been right, but, the worst in the conference like the entire time he's been there, but... To, to the point is, those guys were able to come in, they were able to make an impact, even in just one year, and they were playing at a much lower, not a much lower level, but definitely a lower level than the Ivy League. This guy scored over 1,000 points in his first two years and grabbed over 600 rebounds in his first two years. He, look, there's question marks about what will translate over to the Big East. Uh, he won't be able to do everything that he did well in the Ivy League, but he's going to be able to contribute in some form or fashion. Like, he's going to get minutes, especially with the roster that they have in place coming back. I just want to clarify, that has been skinny coughing it's me. today. I'm I have not coughed Brutal once. chest cold. We will ding his ass. <coughs> there, I, I ding myself for that. Um, I just wanted to clarify. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, I do want to, this will jump start us, as I mentioned, into some, uh, into some uh, conversation nationally. Uh, but really, the, the loss to Arizona State, I know had Xavier fans probably wringing their hands at the time going, but they might be good. How does that happen? That, that margin? Who are these guys? Um, they followed up by going to Kansas and drilling them. And, and uh, you and I were talking on Sunday, and I said, you know, I'm not so sure they're not a top five team. And we agreed that they'd at least be ranked in the top ten. The AP rankings aren't they are. It's a very subjective thing. There's no science behind it. They're awful is what they are. But they did jump to, to number five very quickly. Um, they are really, really good. And, and Trey Holder's a dude. They got, they got dudes, period. Yeah, and, it, and, it, and like everyone's going to keep saying, okay, well, they shot – whatever for whatever from three against Xavier. And they shot whatever for whatever from three against Kansas. It's like, okay, but if you keep doing that away from your own gym. Maybe they have good shooters. Maybe they can just really shoot. And the second thing is, both times they were down by double digits in the first half against And then good just teams, ran away with it. And then got on runs that you just cannot stop. And the one thing I love about this team. There's nothing worse than runs you can't stop. That is that is a major problem. Modi um, Amadi. <laughs> The, the the biggest thing that, about this team that I love is they are they're, they're perfectly complementary pieces. You've got three guards that just want to get buckets. One is a little bit more shifty and wants to get in the lane more. One wants to step back and shoot a few more threes. And then they have a couple big guys who are big, athletic, that never want to touch the ball on offense. Just want to go rebound, set screens, and be tough, and catch dump-offs and dunk. And it's like... It works out absolutely perfect for them. There are no egos. I mean, there are, but it's all in the guys who are touching the ball all right. the time, so they're fine with it. And it's just, it works out really well. Bobby Hurley apparently knows what he's doing. And he was hot seat-ish. Yeah. And they were talking about running him out of town, and all of a sudden he's got a top five team. Hey, and, do you do you want to stay for another couple of years? Actually, don't leave. He might have the best team in the Pac-12. I think he does. UCLA is a disappointment. USC is a huge Arizona's kind of gotten it back on Arizona's track a little getting bit. It like, if I'm picking, I'm going to pick Arizona long term. But Arizona State ain't far behind. No. And, I mean, there's I, I probably have more question marks about what this Arizona State team is. Or, I mean, this Arizona, Arizona. team is long term than I do Arizona. I know what Arizona State yeah. is. They have deficiencies defensively without question. And they're going to be streaky offensively because of the amount of threes they shoot. But Arizona, like, 
Arizona with Raleigh back, Raleigh Alkins back is a little bit different team. Absolutely. When that happens and He's once every, and 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 well, I mean, but once he gets acclimated and everything yeah. gets back chemistry wise, we'll see what they look like, but Because DeAndre Ayton looks like a monster. He looks awesome, but the rest of the team does not, not look, look like what we yeah. expected in the preseason. I agree. We touched a lot on some national stuff last week and we had our little tiers and and um, one of our teams in the, in the top of our tier, we had the Duke, we I think we had the Duke tier. The Michigan State Nova tier, and then we had another big tier below that. Um, Duke goes to BC and loses. And while, again, even though that was a conference game, this stuff happens this time of year. The only question I have about Duke is, do, do they care to guard? Do they even care? And I'm just not sure they, they do. And and maybe maybe it doesn't matter come March. Maybe they're just that good offensively. But you got to care a little bit. Yeah, well, right? I mean, you got to give BC a, li- like a little. Ty yeah, Bowman is a monster. And that's... That's a kid that was down to UC and Boston College, and, and nobody recruited him. Under vastly underrated kid out of North Carolina. Um, I know UC wanted him bad, but he looked at UC's situation and said, "I'm going to have to, I'm going to be in a war for minutes there." And Boston College had nobody, and the kid went in, and I it was all freshman ACC as you know his first year. This year he goes thirty nine and nine. Against 30, 10, and 9. 30 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists against Duke. Now, Duke's defense was not great, but that's a kid, if you let him get rolling, you're going to put yourself in a position to lose, and they did just that. You know what's funny, especially when you start looking at the metrics and sort of the way they've been playing, Duke has a lot of similarities to Xavier right now. The only difference is they've got a couple of elite prospects that they can re- – like. Bagley, Bagley, obviously, right, yeah. and then but I, even Trayvon Duvall is is well, really a stud, um, and then you've got Grayson Allen, of course. But they like look at their metrics. The, the defense is an issue. They're willing to trade buckets with teams. They they're shooting the ball really well. They're efficient on offense. The, and, and I didn't. The thing, go ahead. Uh, yeah. The thing with Duke is, up until the BC game, they've gotten themselves in a lot of trouble. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Against, they against, just against had the better teams on the schedule. Huge runs. Yeah, I, I was to gonna erase that because they they were behind a little bit against Michigan State. In the opener, a decent amount. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see the Texas game. I know they won it by seven. I they they that may have controlled that game. I do know they were behind at Indiana for yeah. a chunk of that game. They got behind against Florida, a big chunk, double digits, and had to dig themselves out. They dug themselves a hole early against BC and just looked like they were about to dig themselves out, but they couldn't. couldn't quite do it. But that's against the better teams on their schedule. They just have not been able to dig out. Now, in fairness, Michigan State's a neutral. Texas was on the road, I believe. I know the Indiana game was on the road. Florida was a neutral, and the game against BC was on the road so some of that maybe it's just the intensity of, well, I mean, of hailing the road play Cameron in the tournament agreed agreed I'm just telling the, the, the point is though that the, the, against the elite teams that they've played they dig holes and you know sometimes you are good enough to get out of it and maybe in the tournament you do that you gotta get this, stops you're just not yeah no but but I mean I, I think that goes back to the willing to trade baskets with people because they get they do the other thing too where they've gotten big runs where they go up by 25 points on people out of nowhere and then they lose it again. I mean, Xavier's done the same thing. It's when you're willing to trade buckets like that, it's great when you're on a roll offensively, but then all of a sudden you're you still three, playing that way and you miss six three, shots yeah, in, a three row, or four in a row yeah. and they were all quick and the other team goes down and scores or gets to the foul line. All of a sudden they're right back in the game. So yep. I think you're going to continue to see that from this Duke team until they either clamp down defensively and get better on that end because some of these younger guys get more experience and it means yep. more to them or there, this Duke team will be like all the other top teams we've talked about this year, which they have legitimate flaws. And uh, except we, Villanova, well, yeah, that's true. Like, except Villanova, we talked about it on the last podcast. Like maybe, maybe it just seems this way, and it's really like this every year. 
but it's not. After after we had last week's podcast, you go into that weekend. Now it is official. More top ten teams have lost to unranked opponents right. than ever before um, already this year. So it is it is a weird year from that standpoint. All of the top teams look like they have serious flaws. Except Villanova. Except for Villanova. <laughs> That's, uh, there you go. Except for Villanova. What is their flaw? What is it? Depth. I mean, may, like maybe that they just don't have the elitist of elite talent. But the, but they're all still top 50 <laughs> yeah, like to I, 75 kids, right? And multiple NBA guys. But I, I when you're trying to pick nits here, I don't. What else can you say about them? I mean, they might not have the elitist of the elite talent, but Jalen Brunson is like the best point guard in the country. Uh, the best point guard in the country, and and Bridges is the top twenty draft pick. So I, I think they have some high end talent. I um, do too. And Amari Spellman looks really good as a redshirt freshman. And they're, here's the, here's the great thing: is we're doing this podcast. It is Wednesday morning. They're going to lose tonight. They play Temple tonight. We're going to talk all these great things, and we'll find Temple out. There's be, a flaw there. Like every three years, Temple does get yeah, them. That. That is highly possible, actually. I mean, it's the Fran Dunphy AAC Absolutely. Coach of the Year award. Don't call it Memorial yet. It's not Memorial yet. He's still, the Fran Dunphy AAC living. Coach of the Year trophy. He is, he is still alive, that's for sure. Let's touch on Kentucky for a minute because they're about to go through a decent stretch of games. Virginia Tech at home on Saturday. Uh, UCLA a week from that, uh, the following Saturday in New Orleans on a neutral, then U of L um, on a Friday afternoon, actually, um, which is a little bizarre. They actually have their bowl game that day, too. So it's, it's basketball and bowl game, except they're not in the same place. Uh, but but at least a, a fairly difficult stretch so, for Kentucky. So nobody's going to the Music City Bowl? That's my guess. Or they're going to the Music City Bowl, going to a bar to watch the L game, then going to the bowl game. Kentucky fans love them some Nashville, man. They really do. They love them some Nashville. Yeah. I mean, if, if you gave me a choice, and this is just if me. If it was the Liberty a, Bowl, nobody would be there. That is correct. That is absolutely accurate. If, if it was me and I, I had a chance, I would take the football tickets, go to a bar to watch the basketball game, then go to the football Are game. they playing at the same time? Uh, I think the kickoff for football is 4 o'clock. Basketball is 1 o'clock. So as soon as it gets done, you can go right over to the game. Actually, that's probably going to work out really well for people going to Nashville. Uh, no doubt. Is it, is it, really good is it at Rupp or Freedom Hall? No, it's at Rupp. They have to not go to the basketball game, but that's correct. But it would be an enjoyable time. Like I said, they love them some Nashville, but but a pretty difficult stretch for Kentucky because yeah. they have not. They're they're playing better. I know ESPN's predictor predicts Virginia Tech to win that game Saturday. Buzz has got to that. You never know. Like Buzz always always jumps up and gets something like this. His teams are just tough, and they know how to win. Tight games. I'll probably pick Kentucky, but I would not be shocked at all to see Virginia Tech walk away with that win. Here's my issue with Kentucky. Each game, I start to like most of the team more than I did. Like, I think guys are getting better. They're, they're really unselfish. They seem to really care on the defensive end. I love that about this team. But Kevin Knox is their best player, and he's their guy, and he's the one that's going to take them where they're wherever they're going to go. I really don't like the way he's playing on offense. Well, it, is, it is way too many jump shots. He's not for, a three, as we've said all along, and he thinks he is. I mean, but it's nothing but spot up jumpers out of him almost. I the best thing, and and even when he goes to the rim and he does drive, he really doesn't have much of a finishing package all around. He's got a great floater. He's got a great like six seven foot floater that he uses a lot. He was awful against Mom. He is awful. I he, would tend to agree as a stretch four. Very good as a as a 
but you got creating three. He can't. Th- those those things aren't in his arsenal. Yeah, and you've got to hit more shots to be a stretch four if you're going to be an effective. Well, that's four. fair, but you're not asked to take as many of them from the stretch four role. No question. Uh, he's not, but he's not a role player on this team, like you're saying. He is the guy. He's, he has to be the guy. But he, and, and that's where I had the concern, the biggest concern all along, when I talked about the pieces not fitting. He's the biggest piece of that puzzle. And you're trying to force that piece into a spot it doesn't fit. So you're never going to really be able to to put the puzzle together with him at that spot, I don't think. I'd really like to see them go more straight dribble drive. Every time I've seen them get in the dribble drive, it gets hectic and they turn the ball over some. But you get those guys on the move and go to the rim. Downhill. And you start using gaps. their length and athleticism. And even with Knox, it gets them and, in and, attack and, mode. And the part you talked about is, is they will share it. I mean, that, that is the They're one part. very yeah. unselfish. I mean, Gilgis Alexander is played. He's at a, it, again, you got to take this with a grain of salt because of the stretch of games. But he's actually in a really good stretch of games right now. I, I, lo- I love the way he's playing. I mean, he gives good effort at both ends. He passes the ball. All of those guys are willing to share the ball regardless of how skilled they are as a passer. None of them are like, it's my time and I got to get a jumper like sometimes the team was last year. But it's so funny. If, you get, if you're Kentucky and you get through this stretch of three games, um, you, you come out of the non-league with your only loss being a neutral against Kansas, a four-point loss. And, and despite the fact – and there are. There are legitimate question marks. All the question marks we all brought up over the summertime still are there to some degree. But they get out of the non-league and you look up you go, huh, they're not in a bad place at all. Well, I, you know what? They're built and the to league's beat. obviously tougher, but yeah. They're built to beat Florida. Because they can slow them down. They, they got can make all them that grind length. They, they can guard. Length. The thing about Florida that I, being, I was, obviously I went to the game. Um, How was I, your steak, by the way? No big deal. Oh, my God. Whew. I knew I had to touch on that yeah. at some point. He wa- he wanted to get it in there. He was trying to humble brag his way in. Yeah. But no. That's all right. No, no, no. I, they, I, in the half court, they take bad, No, I'm asking bad, about your steak. Bad shots. The steak was phenomenal. I, it, it like it was the a Flintstone steak where they put it on the car and the car tips over. Did Did you finish it at the I table? or Did you bring it back to the hotel? Bite, every bite. Wow. Did you just lay back and un- unbutton a button and just lay there? I, I actually had the best piece of cheesecake I've ever had on in my top life of it. Too. Of course, very nice. I, I think I I think it was one of those things like you know where sometimes you'll have something and it ruins it forever. I think I ruined cheesecake forever for me. New York style, baby. And, and authentic. Authentic New York authentic style. Authentic New York style. Legit, like, just the right consistency. Just cold enough, but not frozen. You just press it against the roof of your mouth, and it kind of dissolves. Oh, good stuff. Benjamin's on 42nd. Next time I'm in New York, I'm going to Benjamin's on 42nd. Brendel, so- Brendel sounds like he really has an experience when he eats cheesecake. Yeah, I, I mean... Normally, was- I don't. I, I mean, I, I like cheesecake. This was like... Otherworldly. It was funny because um, you got a, a little name, sensual there. We were I talking did. about touching it to the top of your mouth. I did uh, a name that some might, UC fans might remember. Kelvin Gaines was went to dinner with us. Uh, he lives in New York City now. And after we got the che- I got a piece. Him and his girlfriend got a piece. And he of cheesecake at, of cheesecake. And he kind of nudged the waiter because he lives there, so he was taking stuff home because we were all going back to the hotel. And he's like, "Give me four. <laughs> Give me four pieces of that cheesecake. Would he eat them that night, you think? In the back, probably. Yeah. He's seven foot. Right. 265 pounds. He, he, like, literally, they had this thing called steak for three, which was just like a 50-ounce T-bone sliced into little pieces. I think Kelvin probably ate 60% of it, and the other two people ate, like, 20% each. And then we were giving him the bones to take home to his pit bulls, and somebody put, a, like, a 
four ounce cut of a fillet on top of the bones. Oh. He was like, "Hey, I'm eating that. The bones are for the dogs." Right. <laughs> he picked it up. The put meat, it on the his meat plate. is for the meat is for the big man. The meat is for the big man. He probably had like. 45, 50 ounces of steak. Nice. It's impressive to watch. Nice. And five pieces of cheesecake. Wow. I, <laughs> I can't even fathom that. I really can't. Such on your NKU Norse Rick Brewing, a disappointing game at East Tennessee State. They did follow it up by thrashing, thanks to a second-half run, uh, Eastern Kentucky. They've got a big game with, with Texas A&M, not a game you expect them to win. Um, what, do you, what, what do you want to see out of them that makes you feel good about them going into conference play? In the Texas A&N game, I don't know that much. Don't get murdered? Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know that you can really look for much out of there. I, I guess, I think the one thing I'd like to see is LeVon Holland get going um, against a team of that caliber because... He's the one guy that, that can. It, he Those games kind of seem to get his motor running, and when he starts playing with that type of attitude and confidence, and, and he's been playing fine, but there's been some other guys getting more minutes, and some of the younger guards have been making plays as well with him to where he's taken a little bit of a backseat. That Texas A&M game is his. You know, he's going to have to be the guy that leads them. So Because he, he more than showed in the postseason last year in the conference tournament and the Kentucky game that he is capable of being that guy. Of being a total star. And I think you get him going against a team like Texas A&M, hopefully – that, that continues the, the ball rolling downhill in, into the conference schedule, and that'd be huge for them because they've got some other guys playing really, really well. Carson Williams is just dominant right now down low. and that's, Was he shooting 70% on the year, something like that? Yeah, and it's because, like... Everything's people, a dunk or a layup. Yeah, people are... Well, I mean, but he's also creating from the mid, but, like, teams are having to worry about Drew McDonald. They're having to worry about all the threes being taken, and Carson Williams just does all the other stuff, all the stuff in between that's not... Drew McDonald's skill or the guards jacking threes, everything else is Carson Williams. Whether it's mid-range, whether it's Duncan, whether it's beating you for a reverse layup, he's doing everything else. Yeah, they, they played East Tennessee State a second time this year. This one on the road. They opened at home against them and, and really got run out of the gym in, in the first half. Is that... Look, for a one-bid league team, maybe some, something like that is good for you because it points out what you need to get pointed out. Yeah, no question. I mean, they were playing really good basketball. It was a team that they had already popped in their own in their own gym, and then they go on the road probably a little overconfident and get smoked. And, again, we talked about it. This is – there are still a lot of young guys. You know, Dantez Walton, who's playing really well, uh, Jalen Tate, who's playing really well – those guys all of a sudden got the feeling and, of a team doing it to them. And Steve Forbes is a heck of a coach. Yeah, no question. Like that East it, Tennessee State team is good. Well, I think people like Forbes got lost in the mix because of everything that happened. For those that don't know, he was at Tennessee when all the Bruce Pearl stuff went down, and kind of had that stigma stick with him. Had to go drop down and, and coach at North Florida State Community College and Junior College. Moved back up to East Tennessee State, but before that, he was one of the fastest rising names in the business. Like everybody knew the guy and respected the guy, and and he was moving up the ladder very quickly to being a head coach. That dude can coach, and he he can he's got good players. They're not great, but on any given night, they can do exactly what they did to Northern. That that's not a. That's not a questionable mid-major team by any stretch of the imagination. Right. Yeah, I think the other teaching part to this is it's kind of interesting. They played them home and home in, in the non-conference. 
What are you going to do when you get in the league? You're going to play a lot of these guys home and home. You blister a team first time at home. The warning is, look, we're playing them at their place. Remember what happened when we went to East Tennessee State? It's a good I, lesson. I, it is. I think for them, at the very least, it's a very good lesson for NKU. Yeah, you got to make adjustments. And I, I also think it was good. They've had that moment. A lot of these guys have felt what it's like to get that ball rolling downhill on someone else and get on that big run and really feel like you got a lot of This is when you need to find a way to stop that. that it was bleeding. good to have it come back on them and, and have them kind of have that deer in the headlights look going. All right, uh, final take time. You got anything, Chad Brendel, other than, than than your meal in New York? Oh man, it was so good. Did you do anything else fun? Did I you mean, do anything we, else touristy? No, I mean, we got Did you there. Go see Muppets on Broadway or anything like that? No, we got there. We went to dinner that night. It, it was a long dinner because there was a, a large group of us. Did you go to the ballet? No, and then we went to the game on Saturday, and we flew straight back home. Private jet life, man. Private jet, jet life. life. That's it. Is that a hashtag now? Yeah, you gonna make it up? The- sure. Dude, you need to drop a hashtag private jet life. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't drop like a, a hashtag wheels up on your way out. I, I'm not a wheels or, up Or take guy. some Alex Meacham pictures climbing into the private jet. He was with us. I know. I saw the pictures. Um, that's not my style. I know. It's not my style. I, I'm, I'm you, low-key. You're just there for the ride-along. But, hey, I, I, I get, like I, they, they invite me. I, I say Was yes. there any libations served on the flight? Oh, the worst. The, here's the worst. There's so a worse. That, Hang on, there's a worse there's a to worst. this? There is a worse to this. The only worse to this could have been if the plane crashed. That right. would only have been the worst. Th- you'll understand this. All right. So, aggravating game. I'm flying home with fans, large fans, fans that donate a lot of money to the program. They're angry. They're, I thought you meant like fat fans. No, they're angry. They're voicing, you know, and I could have used a drink. Plane lands, light comes on. I didn't realize I was, my ear was next to the liquor cabinet. Oh, no. And I just thought it was a little... Nobody else had a drink on the plane? No. No angry fans? They, all, they were tired. They all went to sleep. It was... And Man, that's an amateur move. The lights my, came on, and my, I went, oh, dude, dude, my, no. My, because it was... It, it wasn't My bad. first it, thing in a private jet would be this. Where's the liquor, man? I, it, it's a pretty simple move. You you drink more than me. I, yeah, I do. I'm a professional. I was, was going to say, is there a place where that's not your first move? Or No, believe it or not, when I go into hotels, even really, you know, when I'm on the road for the Bengals. And, Where's and, and, the and, hotel and, bar? And, well, no, a lot of now even, it used to be all the cheap hotels would have the mini fridge. Now everybody has a mini fridge, right, in the room. First thing I check is to see if anybody left any beer behind. Because I do that on occasion. I bought some beer and I'll leave a couple behind because I can't, can't take it on the plane with you. So I just checked to see if anybody just, was nice I, enough I've, to leave I've a couple. Before. I just assumed the house cleaning staff. And that could be too. They may have taken it for, for that, themselves. That was like, a, that's my tip. That's like that one time I want to I I I I I go into my hotel room, open the mini fridge, and there's two beers sitting in there because somebody was nice enough to leave Has them it ever behind. happened? No, it's not. I've done, I've, but see, I've left them behind too, though. So that's what I'm thinking. Maybe somebody's nice enough for me. You think this is like the little penny dish at the <laughs> gas station where yes, it's like take yes, one, leave one type situation? Yes, yes. And I've, I think I'm ahead of the game. I've left at least probably a 12-pack over the last I, year or so. I believe that's called behind the game, not ahead of the yeah, game, maybe. my man. You're but losing in that deal. Y- you clearly would have been very disappointed in me for the No doubt. Because I could have used a couple. And we're talking, it was good. Like, oh, I'm sure. It wasn't. Private jet booze, man. Yeah, it, they so, were they were the mini bottles, but it was quite like yeah. Crown and, yeah. and like they're, they're, not, was, they're, not, they're not messing around. It's not Old Forester on that flight, no. brother. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I, I like my heart sunk. Man, that's sad. When I opened when that light came on and I looked at that cabinet, it went booze. Too they late now. Like, yeah, you didn't know. Take, can I take five for the road? <laughs> We're just driving from Lunkin to Newport, but I think I can get them down by then. Exactly, exactly. How about you, Rick Brown? You got a final take for me? Is it is it ball related? It's got to be. It's got to be. I know it's coming. I'm waiting for it. Lithuania. I'm waiting for it. I was gonna say I didn't even have it in me to do that, and I'll do it on Periscope for people that would actually want to listen to that. But if you want it, I'll give it. I'm I'm ready. It's the end of the podcast. So if you're not interested in Levar Ball, 
You can stop. Yeah, now. you can stop now. All right. But it's always an interesting take because here we go. But don't bump. You're on. How long are How long are they in Lithuania? What's well? Let's set the over under. Three weeks. I'll go two months. Okay. Um, it's really cold there right now. So the over under between your two guys thing would be like what five weeks? Five weeks. Five and a half. Leave on a Wednesday. Five point five. Leave it on Wednesday. I'm saying over. Um, I don't know that they get to two okay. months. Lavar under. There's no way he's in Lithuania for five well, and a half. Weeks. Well, of course not. Let's think about all the responsibilities Lavar <laughs> has to perform. <laughs> He has to get back and be phys- a physical therapist for his wife, who I assume is not moving to Lithuania with them. No, he said they are. They're all going. The wife is moving too? That's what he said. Okay. I'm the wife. I'm saying just mail the check home to yeah. with you guys. Have a good time. Yeah, so maybe they'll be back in like a day or two if she's moving with them, because I can't imagine she's putting up with this No, nonsense. she might be back in a day or two. Um, I'll be honest. I've heard mixed reviews from former players that played over there talking about what they're getting into themselves, like getting into basketball-wise. Some guys have said it's like a great league. It's a lot of fun. It's a great place to be. Ben Brooks said it was like the worst experience of his life, and he I hated think, it. But see, I think I think there's a difference because I think some of the guys played in the A league, and this is like the B or C league. This isn't the top league in Lithuania. Right, but some of the guys were talking specifically about this coach saying, hey, he's got some interesting ideas, and he doesn't speak any English, but he was really successful early on. And, and he just yells and screams. Yeah, and he, and he fits in with like the LeVar style. Like He'll let them do what they want to do, run up and down, stuff like that. So I could see – look, this is – this is a reality TV show, and that's how you have to look at it. The people looking at it from a perspective of what's best for them for their yeah. education is a silly idea. Like, And, and also, the people acting like LeVar is ruining his son's lives because he's taking them out of like UCLA. Okay, well, if you can go make millions right now while the iron is hot off of this brand and all this clout and publicity that you've created when you when are, no offense i'm not sure either one of them make nba careers anyway so what difference no, does it make? will I, I think lamello will leangelo no chance i, I don't feel yeah but no but i i, I will say the, the point is you can you can make some cash right now that yeah. you may not no offense you 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 probably won't make you might be right but it's he's got a 10th 11th guy feel to him which again you can make a career out of that but, but bottom line is you got a chance to to make some that, cash now that pays better than the sports the, the online digital content. No question. There is there is no doubt about that. People are acting like they're still the small potatoes, like maybe if and if this happens and if their brand blows up and they really sell shoes, they'll make money. They're, they're making millions yeah. right now because of how famous they are, you idiots. They could put up a YouTube channel of just themselves vlogging every day and make millions. Like, they Did have you got... see that kid? What? Six-year-old? You, the YouTube thing. How much money you can oh. make on YouTube? Oh, yeah, yeah. There's I'm, a six-year-old reviewing toys making $11 million a year on it. YouTube. I love it. Yeah, like, their fame is so ridiculous, they can profit off of that right now. That is what they are doing. That is why LeVar is not worrying about taking his kids out of the last two years of high school, which is a little more iffy. I'll admit that. Like, you'd probably rather your kid get through high school, but it's not like he can't get his GED and go to college with all the money they've, they've made. And it's not like LiAngelo, who... Probably, let's face it, wasn't necessarily going to need a college degree to do whatever he's going to do in the future anyways, right. uh, needs to be at UCLA right now. Work for his dad. He can always go back to school as well. Make the money when you can make the money. People always make this argument about one-and-done guys or two-and-done no, guys. No, it's then the responsibility of what you do with the money, but that's up to you. I mean, but you're right. right. But make the, the money when you can make the money. But it's the same way as like an NBA player leaving early to go make the money when he can make the money. Dude, it's a child actor. It's a yeah. child actor. Go make the money when you can. Now, be responsible with what you do with it, hopefully, but... 
That's on you and that's on your parents. And that's exactly what LaMelo is at this point. He is a child actor. Yeah. And that's how you have to look at him. He's entertaining. And he's good at it, by the way. The other two, not so much. LaMelo's got all types of personality. Who did he call out today? I didn't see that. I didn't see it either. Oh, Rappaport. Oh, Rappaport yeah. was talking crap about his dad last night. And LaMelo went on Twitter. He and said co- they all need braces. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Big baller braces. BBB. It'd be kind of fabulous, wouldn't it? Rappaport's hilarious. Uh all right, so I, I set you up. I just want to let you go. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's about it. I don't have anything too hot about it. Like, I think it'll work out fine for them. I don't know how well sixteen-year-olds will fit in in that league. So maybe Lamelo will struggle. But even if he does, this is all for a show. It's it's going to be, however long they're over there, of reality TV, something to film. Whether it's them eating at ridiculous restaurants or whatever, or whatever trouble they get into over there, it will be content. It will make them money. I I think they're fine. All right, simple enough. All right, boys, that's it for today. Good enough? Sure. You still look like, you ate, you look like a Chester cat right no, now, No, I'm bro. trying to figure out how to get my kid a YouTube channel and have her make $11 million reviewing toys. Right. He's I, got more steaks and cheesecakes to eat. Yes, he does. No, I don't. I'm not in New York City. Wheels up. That's all I can wheels do. Up. Hashtag wheels up. Private jet life. All right, we'll be back next Wednesday to talk some more college basketball. Maybe Thursday. Maybe Thursday. Okay. Maybe. Signing day oh, and good. I'm oh, moving right. Wednesday. That's a good point. That's a good point. Wednesday might be out for me. Thursday might work. Yeah, Thursday. Thursday will probably work. I'm, I'm good with that. Right. UC plays Arkansas Pine Bluff next Thursday. Doesn't matter when they play them. I think they're the worst team in basketball. Yeah. Do you want so. us to just podcast during the game so you don't have to watch? Live podcast. We could. Live I'm podcast. Down, I'm down with that. <laughs> just rip on guys left and right from Arkansas Pine Bluff. <laughs> Dude, that guy can't go to his left. Look at him. Set up terrible. Set up at BB and T. Let's just take bets on all the guys for Arkansas Pine Bluff. Each, each possession. Well, no. Like we we we'll get to pick our own guys and whoever. It'll be like fantasy Arkansas Pine Arkansas Bluff Pine fantasy Bluff. basketball. I love it. We I, each get like two guys and whoever puts up the best stats wins. I'm, I'm down with it. We'll me do too. All right. For Chad Brendel and Rick Boring, I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for listening to today's edition of the Skinny Podcast, the College Basketball Edition. <laughs>